You're listening to The Caring View. Hello and welcome to The Caring View, the online social cash app show available on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, you name it. Uh, watch us live every Tuesday at 7.30. This is our podcast. Um, you can listen to us on all of your favourite podcasting sites. Um, and this is our sort of uh, foray into different conversations that we don't normally have on our chat show. We're in series three of the podcast now, and it's all around influential leaders, entrepreneurs, people who've made a real success at startups. And we're wanting to hear their journeys, what they've achieved, how they've achieved it, so that actually anyone listening to this who needs that extra confidence boost, a little bit of knowledge to go and do their own startups and go and crack the world of, of business themselves, can go away fulfilled, satiated with, with information and knowledge. Today's guest is an absolutely fabulous person. I, I do know this guest uh, from some of the other work that I've done. Um, it is Debbie Harris, uh, founder and managing director of Autumna. Good afternoon, Debbie. How are you? I am very well, Adam. Thank you. And thanks for the invitation. Oh, you're most welcome. Now, Debbie, we are obviously joined by our fabulous co-host, Mark Tops. Do you want to say hello, Mark? Hello, hello. How are you all? I'm, I'm good. Mark. Thank you very much. Um, Mark, I must ask, since the last episode, have we had an update on the ice cream van? Because I remember us having a chat with Sophie and uh, you uh, dropping the revelation of the new ice cream van. So what's the update before we get started? Oh, just a lot of cleaning, a lot of sampling, and a lot of stock taking. But yeah, no, I've done my level three food hygiene again and my HACCP course. So I'm on the road. So I'm aiming for about three weeks from now to yeah be out and about. So yeah, no, looking forward to it. Thank you. Absolutely fantastic. So if you are wanting to start a startup and you're thinking, how can I do it the tastiest way possible? Get an ice cream van. It sounds amazing. <laughs> I could spend my day tasting ice cream all day long. Uh, so, Debbie, I tried to do my best on your introduction, but I know how much you've done in the past and how much you're doing at this moment in time. So do you want to let our listeners know who you are and exactly what you do? Yeah, sure, Adam. Um, so I'm the founder of Autumna. Uh, Autumna is the largest directory of social care providers in the UK. We list every registered care home, home care, live-in care, and we're doing our best to list all of the retirement living developments as well, the assisted living developments. Um, we, uh, we have an online directory, but we also have an advice line seven days a week. So we're, we sit in quite an interesting position. We support providers, but everything we do comes from the premise of, we need to be able to support the care seeker. If we can get it right for the care seeker, by default, we get it right for the care provider. Thank you very much. And welcome to the show, Debbie. And yeah, thank you for that introduction to you and Autumna. So this series is obviously talking about entrepreneurs. Do you class yourself as an entrepreneur? Do you know, I had to think about that when you sent me through the questions you were going to ask me, I thought, do I think of myself as an entrepreneur? So I actually looked it up what it meant. And it means somebody setting up a business, taking financial risk in order to um, earn money and in order to make more money. And so on that basis, no, I don't count myself as an entrepreneur. Do I think I've become an entrepreneur? Yes, I think I probably have. Um, but it wasn't my intention when I started. Um, yes, I 
took financial risk. Yes, I set up my own company, hadn't got a clue what I was doing 15 years ago. That's, I think, pretty par for the course if you're an entrepreneur. Um, but the but the motivation wasn't to make more money. It was to make a difference. I think that's something, um, sorry, I just saw Mark, you were out to come in. I was just going to say, I think that's something we seldom hear when it comes to social care is people wanting to make a difference and being honest about saying, I'm not here to make money. I, I want to impact lives. Mark, I'm sorry, I interrupted when I saw you on mute. No, no, that's fine. I was just um, interested when I was listening to Debbie then, what she, in in her mind, what she thought an entrepreneur was before you Googled it. Because I always think of an entrepreneur as somebody maybe that works in tech and kind of Silicon Valley, as opposed to, you know, just a small sideline business or a business. So yeah, just keen to know kind of what you thought before you obviously made that Google search. Yeah, well, the bit that I hadn't stupidly hadn't quite connected with an entrepreneur was the need to make more money. I thought an entrepreneur was somebody who identified something that needed to be done and frankly had the balls to go and do it and change what needed to be done. And that's sort of how I, I view myself. I saw, I, I, because of a personal experience, I saw something wasn't right, it, the need wasn't being met. And so I just started to make to meet that need. I started to make the change. So it was the it was the making the money bit at the end. You know, I, I mean, arguably now, of course, we have to make money. We are making money. We are um, we're balancing the books, but we have to do that because we've now identified there is so much more we need to do, and the only way to do that is to be a profitable company. I suppose Mark and I can can kind of relate to this because you know people always say that you know we're sort of on our own on on, on our own entrepreneurial oh I say that a couple of times in a row it's right tongue twister <laughs> on our own entrepreneurial journey with the caring view you know it's something that we do in our own time it's a, a platform that we use for people it's a website it's free social resources it's a chat show it's a networking opportunity it's mm. a peer support network and a peer support group. And we literally do this for no money. We do this actually for minus money because we do it out of our own pocket. And very much what you're saying, you know, there's, there's, there is a fine balance between wanting to do something to create an impact, but then also realizing that it needs to be sustainable somehow. Yeah. There's, no, there's no shame in going, I need to make some money now to make sure yeah. I can continue to do this. As long as I'm not fleecing you, and as long as I'm not lining my pockets and investing the minimum back into the, the, the product and the company, then there is really no shame in that. Um, so anyone listening to this, if you want to get in touch and help Mark and I out at the Caring View, we'll be very happy and very kind to respond to that. So, well, you know that it's down to the entrepreneur, Adam, to work out what your revenue model is. Oh, God. That's oh. the thing. Sorry, guys. But, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 that's absolutely fine. Mark and I make a joke because between the two of us, neither of us have a financial bone in our body. It's quite funny sometimes, the conversations we have. So before we deep dive into um, into what your company does and, and to really get into the conversation, I, I want to know how you came up with the name Autumna. Um, is there a special meaning behind it? What was the thought process? Um, you know, Autumna is the third company that I've had. So when I first started out, so apologies for going back a bit here, but when I first started out, um, you probably know I needed to find a care home for an aunt and uh, she was self-funding and I didn't have any, um, I just didn't know what I was looking for uh, as far as the care home was concerned. So 
Um, once I'd found other care home, more by luck than judgment, it has to be said, um, I put on, a, I, I thought I'll get a website together and I will put all of the information on that website that I wished I'd known, you know? Um, and, and bear in mind, this is at a time when people didn't have computers at home. I'd never sent an email as an example. I mean, you know, so this was this was dramatic stuff I was doing. You know, this was really cutting edge stuff. So I, I set up that website, which then morphed into the second website. And I learned more because it's a learning curve, you know. Um, and then Autumna was being thought about. And we thought about Autumna because um, uh, as, as the concept, because we'd done a an online uh, platform. We'd done a, a bespoke one-on-one um, -on -one support system. And we basically have combined the two into uh, Autumna because we realize that there are needs on both sides. So when we were looking at the name, I had learned, I'd got 10 years of tech experience really, which, you know, I hadn't learned at school or anything, you know, I mean, you know, it was something that you learn on the hoof. And, um, and I thought, well, every directory starts off with A. So whatever the name of this is, it has to begin with A. You know, you don't want P or something like that. You need A. Um, and Aviva had just changed their name on TV and they were going through a whole load of TV adverts and they were changing. I can't remember what they were called before, but they were called Aviva. And I thought A and then an A on the end. And then I thought autumn, autumn of your life and all of that, autumn. -na. And then I thought brand colours, autumn orange is an obvious brand color but then to absolutely seal the deal my grandson was born the week we launched and he has bright orange hair so that is where the color branding came from and that is where the name came from i think that's fascinating and just so everyone knows it was the norwich union society Thank that Avina you. used to be known yeah. by i didn't know that i've googled it in the background while we were chatting yeah. But I, I like, just thought if Aviva can do it, you know, and spend all these millions in TV adverts, then let's learn from people who've spent the money on it. And uh, yeah, anyway, that's where it came from. I love that. I love that. So there's definitely that sort of play on, you know, coming into the sort of autumn of our lives and everything like that. Mm. Is there, um, and then this is just a question, um, and thinking of the autumn of our lives, is it just elderly people that Autumna um, looks at? Um, just thinking with the name, or is it for, for learning disability homes in, in the younger working aged adults as well? At the moment, it is just over 55s, if you like, although frankly, that doesn't sound very old from where I'm sitting, but um, it is just for the, for the later life. However, we are being approached by quite a few people to try and incorporate the um, uh, adults with learning disabilities, brain injuries, etc. So, we're, we're looking at that. I think with my learning disability experience hat on, I do welcome you to mm. to do that and to make that change because I know it's an absolute minefield out there for relatives, even though they've obviously had a lot more experience of health and social care near enough from, from their child's birth, it's still an absolute yeah mm. chaotic journey. And I still get a lot of relatives of their children that I've supported over the years that come back to me to help them find new placements and bits and pieces. And I think that comes down to some of the cuts in social care, whereas social workers would have would have supported. They now just sent a list of care homes in the areas, often not within the area they live, and kind of expected to get on with it. 
No, I absolutely can't, can't do that. You've got to, we've got to change that. Mark, we'll have a conversation about that because, um, yeah, we're, we're going to be looking at this. So if yeah, you've no, got experience in it, I didn't know that. I'll, we'll definitely have a chat. Yeah, no, that sounds really good. I love the fact that um, you thought of a letter at the beginning of the alphabet to stand out. So I'm exactly the same with my wife. So a lot of people that will have seen my wife phone me, I have her saved as the alphabet all the way from A all the way through to Z because I know that actually she'll always be at the top of the list when I go into my contact list. So, I mean, nowadays you can have a favourite and I've just never set her as a favourite and changed her name. It's just always been the whole alphabet. So... <laughs> So listening to um, some of your history there about how you supported your aunt, um, has there always been a desire to help families and people find care? And is that what stemmed Autumna? Or how did the idea of the business come about? Mm. You know, it's interesting. I was having a conversation um, about this with somebody the other day, and this is going to sound a bit daft, but I only realised the other day that this is what my mum used to do. So we used to live in a little village just outside uh, High Wycombe. And my mum always used to go and visit the old people in the village. And, you know, we're kids, we're running around. I didn't think anything of it at all. Um, but it, it's only just dawned on me that actually all I've done is what my mum used to do whilst I was growing up, look after older people. But I'm just doing it in a digital world. I'm just looking after an awful lot more than my mum did. I just didn't realise. I think it's always been in me. I just, I think I pick up waves and strays a little bit. It's, uh, it's what I do. And I just hadn't realised. I just hadn't realised. No, I think that's really, really interesting. And I wonder whether you obviously spoke about obviously how your mum did it. And I think when I reflect back, my my mum was exactly the same with pop around and around the village, kind of supporting pe people. And I, I'm no different now and obviously working in social care. And I do think it's whether you're aware of it from a young age. And I know it's definitely something I'm really conscious of um, with my children around actually educating them um, and making sure that they're informed around, you know, disabilities and why people might be in wheelchairs and bits and pieces, because actually, I think otherwise they're really naive to the world and grow up and have no no kind of knowledge mm. of that. Yeah, so, I agree. Pre-self-employment, was it an easy decision to leave what you were doing and start out on this adventure? Um, so a time that started in 2018, so was it a case of, let's see if you can do this? Obviously you spoke about how you had a couple of websites before, or were you confident this was going to be a winner? Well, when I started that first website, sort of uh, 12, 13, 14 years ago, um, I'd been a stay at home mum. So I had brought my kids up. I hadn't been at work. I had not worked for 18 years. So when I set up that first website, it really was a case of, um, you know, let me see if I can do something and help other people who have found themselves in the same position as I was when I was looking for Auntie Margaret. Um, so I had absolutely no expectation at all. And apart from anything else, as I said, I was I was heading into a website. I I didn't have a computer. You know, I mean, I knew absolutely nothing. Um, so I can honestly say I had no expectations for the first two companies. And then when I set up Autumna, I had got I'd, I'd been through that learning curve, made Oh, loads of mistakes, of course. I mean, that's the only way you ever learn. Um, but I'd I'd reached a point where I knew enough to be able to set up a serious 
website and that's what we've built a serious website i mean it's based on um thousands of case studies of, of families we've helped um and we built into autumna everything we'd ever been asked by a family to look for so that you would be able to uh, find it online which frankly pre-covid didn't really exist you know the way post-covid the way people have changed the way they look for care is just unrecognizable pre and post COVID in our experience. Um, so by the time I was building Autumna, yeah, I knew what I was doing. I knew I was getting it right because I'd made so many mistakes beforehand. Um, and I knew it was what the care seekers wanted. We're very, very care seeker led on everything we do. Okay. All right. And, and this is thoroughly interesting. And I've got two follow-up questions before I go into my next one. So how do you think the way people search for care has changed pre and post COVID? What are the sort of main three ways you think they've changed? Okay. Well, I think overwhelmingly the main way they've changed is how they search for care. So pre COVID and, and how care providers uh, present themselves. Pre-COVID, think about it. What did people used to do? They would think, right, I need a care home in Tunbridge Wells. I'll drive around a bit. I'll call in and see three unannounced, park up on the driveway, you know, knock on the door, walk in, um, have a look around, make a decision. That's, that's how most people yeah. found care. They had very little information beforehand. They um, didn't really know what they were looking for. They were very much at the mercy of who showed them around and what was going on that day in the care home everything stopped when lockdown happened and you could no longer do that. The care providers who up until that point had actually been relatively reluctant to put too much information online because they, what they really wanted was to say, yeah, we, we're a care home in Tunbridge Wells and here's a picture or two, but come in and see us, come in and we'll, we'll tell you how wonderful we are and then we'll tell you the prices and then we'll tell you what, what we can do for you. Well, all of that changed. So the care seekers had to start searching online and the care providers really quickly had to get all of their information online. So that is the fundamental difference. We now estimate over 90% of the decision-making process when you are looking for a care home is now taking place online. So you're doing all of your research online. You simply couldn't do that before COVID because there just wasn't enough information available just didn't exist. Um, yeah. you know, and when you're talking information and you're self-funding and over 90% of our inquiries are self-funding, um, you need to know the price. Put your prices online. You need to know the price. Yeah. I mean, I ask that mainly for, for managers who are thinking, actually, I want to go out and start my own care business, you know, mm -hmm. they, they, before they even start, they need to know how people are searching for them. My second follow-up question was, you were saying that you were pretty much prepared for autumn because you made many mistakes in the past. Are you confident to share some of these mistakes with us, Debbie? Can we all learn from some of your mistakes? How long have you got, Adam? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Um, uh, good Lord. What were some of the big ones I made? Um, well, not, not understanding tech enough. If you are going to do an online um, uh, business, for goodness sake, make sure you understand how online works. I mean, otherwise, you know, you're flogging a dead horse, aren't you? So absolutely, you name it on the tech mistakes. I am absolutely convinced I made it. Um, the other one, um, you know, and is, is it 
is it um a women's uh, international women's day this week or was it last week it, oh you're challenging it? me and by the time this goes out i'll probably be even further lost on on when it yeah. is but but whether it's international women's day or not you know i think one of the other mistakes i made being female was i just assumed the blokes knew more than me and, wow. and honestly yeah how wrong can you be <laughs> <laughs> men just like to think they know everything oh. debbie we don't really international don't. women's day 8th of march by the way thank you so very soon um but i did i assumed men knew more than me well 80 percent of people working in social care are female believe me the women know exactly what they're talking about and um and i think one of the things i've learned and if you're a female listening to this if you're a woman listening to this uh yeah guys you you really know what you're talking about so have confidence in yourself oh i love that and i, I think that's so important you know is don't don't let gender bully you around you know you've got the knowledge and the strength just just go for it so on to my actual question before i, I interrupted myself with those follow-ups is how important do you think um autumn and i'll say specifically autumn because i know there are other services out there but how 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 important is autumn itself do you think to the sort of stability of health and social care to that ability to be able to find the care that people need and also for business sustainability as well because we need to think around the, the, the care services providing this so how important is it for care services using autumn and and their sort of business viability well i mean obviously i'm going to say i think it's really important but i think <laughs> one, you know one of the things that um i have absolutely focused on and have refused to compromise on regardless of who has asked and how much money they've offered us. And believe me, they've offered us a lot. Um, I have refused to compromise on our transparency and fairness. So I think when you start from a premise of, I am going to be really transparent with the sector, I am gonna be really transparent with the care seeker, and I'm gonna be really fair with both. Um, then I think it is the right basis upon which to continue to build this service. So I said earlier that everything we do is care seeker led. I mean, that is where that's where our innovation comes from. That's who we listen to. Um, and that's where that's our starting point for everything. So um, on that basis, if it's care centered, if it's care, you know, um, care seeker centered um then we can't for example take referral fees for any information we give those care seekers has to be a free service for them and we cannot take referral fees we have to be independent and we have to be impartial so i think lack of referral fees i think is crucial in this sector you know and i i just i i appreciate it is a business model but I think when you're looking for your looking for care for your mum and there is a referral fee taking place, how how can you trust that that is the right referral being made? It, it just goes against the grain for me. Um, so that that's that's one of the key things, I think, for me. 
uh, where we're different and where we are really holding our ground. Also, you know, we've taken the view with care homes um, that you've got big groups of care homes who have a, a purchasing power, which I totally understand. Of course, they've got a purchasing power. But what we've taken the view is, rightly or wrongly, that it doesn't matter if you have one care home or 100 care homes, the fee per care home is the same. So we haven't discounted the big groups. 80% of the care sector is made up of small care providers. So we want to protect those small care providers um, and be fair and transparent. You know, I'm not saying anything that anybody who's ever spoken to me before hasn't heard. Believe me, I bang on about referral fees and transparency all the time. But I mean, you know, I really do try very hard to uh, to be that transparent and fair. And I think that really shines through listening to you. I think you can really hear the values and ethos of Autumna um, behind the words that you're saying. Thank you. I want to take you back in time to early 2018 when Autumna was born. Who was there at the birth? Was it just you? Were there friends around you, family? And who else was supporting you to get the machine running? Um, so uh, Autumna, as I said, we had, uh, had two companies to begin with. Um, the first one was called Best Care Home. Um, and then the second one was called Chosen with Care. Chosen with Care was this bespoke helping people find the care services and Autumnus sort of swallowed Chosen with Care. So anybody who was working with me at Chosen with Care um, was part of the growth of Autumna. And I had uh, two fabulous women, uh, one of whom is still with me um, at the very beginning and my husband. <laughs> poor husband, <laughs> who um, one of the reasons we've got so many videos out and um, and so many pictures on Autumna, etc, is because he was a cameraman, um, cameraman editor. So, you know, if ever a story broke or I needed to get a message across, he'd sit me in front of the camera and I'd talk to the camera. But so it was those three key people. And just a, a sort of side question and feel free not to answer this what was the main and this is one thing that we're, we're talking about with all the um sort of uh, successful entrepreneurs in this series is the fund the funding model you went for so i, I know sophie in our last episode spoke around um her company being bootstrapped uh, ian in the episode before that is currently running a free um, service but is looking at a membership based uh, model um, and then uh, Charles in his first episode was talking around um, uh, investment funds and, and funding rounds and um, all of that sort of going from round A, B, C or one, two, three straight over my head I've already said that I'm not a finance sort of person uh, so how how what was your financing model for, for Autumna for people listening? Okay so um, once I'd, once I'd started to map out what Autumna needed to do based on the previous experience and mistakes, I started talking to, um, uh, to people I trusted who had run businesses. And I asked them, I said, what do you think? And they said, really, you need some angel investors. But, you know, for anybody to take you seriously, you've got to put up some money yourself. So I did. So can I just ask, sorry, just to interrupt mm -hmm. you, what's an angel investor then? Um, somebody who is, oh, I'm not really sure, but that's what they call them. Um, so I guess somebody who is uh, doing a low level investment, uh, a small right. amount of investment. So um, I've I put up the largest amount of money for this company. So I've done, uh, I don't know, a quarter of the investment, the initial investment we got. Um, I also went to um, 
uh, Kenton Medway Business Fund and I pitched my idea. Cool, that was an experience. Um, and I got funding from them as well. Um, and then I went out to, uh, to, to contacts of friends, really. So they said, you know, Debbie, you why don't you speak to so-and-so and here and there? And, um, uh, and, and I just talked to them and I said, this is what I'm thinking of doing. Does it sound of interest to you? And, uh, and I had a hundred percent success rate. So I went out to about five or six people and they all invested. And I haven't had investment since. That's and that's incredible. So anyone listening, here you go. That's that's how Debbie's done it. I'm sure you can find a way that 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 yeah. suits you. Well, it's it's really confusing when you start looking at all the different ways of investment and getting money in. But actually, you know what? It just comes down to talk to a few people. It, be really clear what it is you're doing. Don't go in all fluffy. Be really clear what it is you want to do and the difference you're going to make. And I, you know, I was talking all the time about. The, the difference I felt we could make and I'm are now making, thankfully. Um, and my my initial investors um, have been so supportive, um, really supportive and helpful and kind and friendly. Um, and that's what I needed. And they both did one. So when 60% of startups fail, well, I say fail, I fail is a really hard word. Don't move past year three. Mm. It doesn't mean they failed. It just means they've not got the legs to continue going forward. So I think failure is a, a strong word for someone that's gone for three years. You're now heading into, my math is terrible, year five of Autumna. Um, yeah, but what you're looking at for, two, for uh, 2018 is the registration date. We actually went live three and a half years ago. Oh, wow. Oh, I hope I'm not tempting fate asking this then. So no, you're you're not. Not. <laughs> How are you going to escape the 60% curse? And um, don't sue me if anything happens. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, we're very careful. We've got, um, uh, we've got some really useful uh, people who keep an eye on, uh, <laughs> on, on the things I want to do. Um, so that we're, you know, we, we're, we're running properly as a company. Um, and uh, as I said, we haven't had any extra investment after those initial investors. And um, we're growing, we're growing fast. Um, I've got a really clear pathway as to where we're going to go next, really clear. Um, and uh, <laughs> God willing, I mean, I don't want to, <laughs> know, uh, I don't want to tempt fate either, but um, I think we're in a healthy position. Um, but we reinvest everything back into the company. I mean, it really all does go back in. Listening to you talk about how you got funding and the angel um, investors and bits and pieces, are you able just to share some tips that you have around pitching to people? For anybody listening that's just starting up or thinking of starting their own business, any pitching tips would be great. Yeah. Do you know, it was this was the biggest thing I had when I was going out looking for money. Um, you know, I've only done it once and it was at a very low level and it was five years ago. But what did what have I been told made the difference to them? So I was told it was my absolute conviction that based on the experience of the previous 10 years, you know, I wasn't going in this thinking, I think I've got a good idea. I was going in thinking, I know I've got a good idea. I've been doing this in different ways for the last 10 years. And my conviction and the confidence that what I was doing and proposing 
was right. And it wasn't it wasn't just about um, and I believe I will be able to give you your money back uh, plus a bit extra. It was about the ability to change things to make things better, to improve things. Now, you know, um, we're all talking about ESG now, aren't we? Well, we weren't five years ago. So it was quite um, for me to be banging on about um, we need to be doing this because it's morally the right thing to do. We need to make change was was not something that um, some of the investors particularly wanted to hear. But then when you start talking about social care and you start talking about how you find care, the people I was pitching to had got parents. And, you know, almost without exception, somebody in the group I was talking to had gone, oh, God, I've just gone through this with my mum and I didn't know where to go. And you're telling me that your service will show people what to do. Um, and I think con conviction, belief, being prepared. Those would be my three top tips. And for, this is a, an audio-only podcast, so no one saw my face of, when you said ESG. What is ESG, Debbie? Oh, God. Um, uh, oh, I'm <laughs> going to get it wrong now. Can somebody look it up quickly? Um, uh, environmental, uh, sustainable and governance. Is that right? You're asking me. I'm going to say yes, that's perfect. Well done. <laughs> but it's, it's about doing stuff for the right reasons. Getting yeah. it right, you know? Um, and uh, it's about, yeah, it's about not just being out there to make money. Yeah. More. And I know it's something that's close to your heart as well at the moment is around making sure that environmentally we're sustainable as well and that we're looking at things um, in that sort of uh, caring capacity, you know, caring for the environment. Mm. So we're, we're, we're thinking around incorporating learning disability settings and other settings into autumnal. How big can you see autumn coming? Is it just going to be for the UK social care um, market sector services? Or do you see and envision this maybe going over to America and trying to help them sort out their their care system? Because, you know, Mark and I have had uh, communications with America and we've met with um, some providers and podcasters in America and it's a very different ball game over there. Um, and, you know, some home care is regulated, some home care is not regulated. Um, some are very dominant, some aren't. People don't know where to find it. Uh, very much um, employing own personal nurses. I think they call them over there as well. So is there a market elsewhere or are you just UK focused at the moment? Uh, at the moment, just UK focused, but I don't, I don't think there's any doubt there is a market elsewhere. Europe, States, Australia. Um, yeah, I think there is definitely a market out there. But, you know, I need to three and a half years. Adam, that's all going. <laughs> I need to get the very firmest of foundations here first. Oh, I 100% agree. There's a market out there. I think whenever we, Adam and I are talking, like he's just spoken about America and we've spoken to people mm. in France, I've spoken to people in Australia. It seems to be that social care everywhere seems to have this, this issue for care seekers, for the mm. reputation that social care has, other than Denmark, which seems to have really rolled social care out really well it seems like a lot of the other places seem to have very similar issues mm. I, I wonder if it's because it is so um uh, uh divided it's it's not this um organization it, it's not like the nhs for example so if you need the nhs everybody knows where their nearest hospital is yeah don't even think about it 
But if you need social care, nobody has a clue. They don't think about it. They don't talk about it. It's not a topic for conversation until the day you need it. And then because we're all so spread out, because we're all operating so separately, um, it's actually quite a difficult thing to access, understand and take forwards. I mean, you know, if 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 I if at the end of my working life, I have brought more people together in social care, more uh, providers together for the sector to be more collaborative, then I'll have done my job because I actually think that's the way forwards for social care. I don't think we can rely on anybody else to get social care right. I think we have to do it ourselves and to be collaborative, to work 100% together. 100% agree, 100% agree. Debbie, I've loved this podcast. I've got one more question myself before I hand over to Adam. So the podcast series has been all about entrepreneurship, obviously meeting you, meeting some of our other guests. I just want to hear from you any final advice that you have for any budding entrepreneurs that are listening to this podcast. <laughs> um, I would probably quote Richard Branson. Screw it. Just do it. Just get on with it and don't just talk about it. Put it into action. And if, if I had had any idea how hard this was going to be, five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I wouldn't have gone near it with a barge pole. <laughs> it is hard, but you just have to make that first step. And every time you make a step, you learn, you make your mistakes, you learn from those mistakes, you move forwards. And, uh, and it's the most interesting, liberating, invigorating, exhausting thing you're going to do. But get on that first step, do it. I think, honestly, Debbie, it's absolutely fantastic advice. And it reminds me of um, that sort of uh, ethos of going out and starting your own company and be excited to fail. You know, go and, go and fail because failing means you're doing something and you'll learn from it. And mm -hmm. what you're saying there, you know, learn from your mistakes, just go out and do it, do I think it. Is, is absolutely fab. If we're always afraid to fail, we'll never try anything, will we? Um, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go for it. Go for it. Life's too short. Life is too short to not have a go. Brilliant. Honestly, thank you so much for, for joining us um, for this episode, Debbie. I'm, I know I've got um, a ton of knowledge from this now from you and, and learning from your experiences and, and how your company's evolved throughout the years um, and learning from your mistakes as well. You know, it's been great to hear that sort of vulnerability and that openness and really just sings to the values of Autumna of being transparent and, you know, not being afraid to. I always find openness in business, openness in what we do is sort of like lying. If you lie, it's hard to try and keep up with what you're saying. Um, and I think if you're not open and you're not transparent, you trip yourself up eventually because yeah. if you're preaching one thing and doing another, it gets quite difficult. But we can obviously see the the values shine through um, or tumbling through yourself. So thank you so much for joining us. For everyone listening, this has been The Caring View, episode four in our uh, entrepreneurs, successful uh, startups, leaders, innovators, whatever you want to call it, these people are all amazing and making it seem really easy, but I'm sure there's a ton that we can actually learn from them. This has been uh, our interview with Debbie Harris. Um, go back and check the rest of our series. We started with Charles Armitage, we've had Ian Clegg, and we've also got Sophie Coulthard. Um, don't forget, you can also listen to our How to Complete Your PIR 
podcast and um, listen directly through our website or through our Spotify. Go and give us a follow uh, or a subscribe or whatever you do on social medias. It means you don't miss out on all this free knowledge that we're giving. Um, and go to www.thecaringview.co.uk for all of our free resources with a new document uploaded every single Friday. Um, so thank you so much. We will see you in the next episode. Thank you, Debbie. And thank you, Mark. Thank you very much, Debbie. Good to see you again, Adam. Thank you for listening to The Caring View. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, as well as various podcasting sites. So don't forget to subscribe, like, and share to become part of the conversation.